You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. All right, right now what I'm going to do is introduce to you, again, one of our other leaders, Parrish Stone. She does many things around here. We are so thankful that her and her family are here. And she is going to bring us a message today that I know God gave her and put on her heart. I am honored beyond belief to be here again. This is my second time to preach on Pastor Appreciation Sunday. So I guess I'm doing something right. Or maybe she just likes me better than everybody else. I don't know. I have been in her life a long time. Sorry, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, before I get into this, and before we even uh, talk about what my topic is, I just have to say God is so good at being God because I, a couple of years ago, probably about four years ago, because I've been here for three years, about four years ago, I had someone prophesy over me that I would preach and I was like, I think you got the wrong gal. I mean, I, I'm passionate, and I can really talk to people about the, the Word of God, but I want to encourage you, if you have a dream in your heart, because this has nothing to do with my sermon, but I want to encourage you that if you have a dream in your heart, let God show you how to take the steps towards that goal. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you you can't do it, because I cannot believe where I am today. Like, every time I get asked to preach somewhere, I am just astonished, first of all, that I'm asked I'm like, do they know what they're doing? Do they really seek God's face in this? But the second thing is, is that every time I get up here, God just starts flowing out of me like something I've never known. And he says that he would be like rivers of living water and he would flow out of us. And it's just, I honestly could not do this without him. I could not stand up here in front of my the matriarchs of my life and preach. I could not do that without Jesus. I could not do that without that Holy Spirit inside me to just guide me through it. And that's what he is. So <laughs> I am preaching on a topic that I really didn't know a whole lot about, honestly, other than just serving under somebody that does know everything about it. Okay? So I am going to be preaching on authority today. And when God gave this to me, I literally started shivering. Like, I was like, what am I going to say to these people? I don't want to get up there and, like, make it sound like, you know, if you don't, you know, blah, 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 if you're not paying attention and blah, 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 you're going to get it, you know? And I didn't want to be, I mean, that's kind of how I feel, but no, I'm just kidding. But, you know, I wanted to really present this the way that God does. Because a lot of times when we think about authority, we get scared. We think, oh, yeah, just some bossy pants is going to tell us what to do, right? And we get like, oh, you know, authority. Oh, they're throwing that word around. Oh, because it's Pastor Appreciation Sunday. Well, that's exactly why I'm preaching on that. Um, and it's not because we're throwing my weight around. I want you to know what you, the authority that you can have too. This is not just about honoring our pastor today or honoring our God today. This is so much deeper than that. But it was funny because when God told me I was going to preach on authority, I literally had knots in my stomach and I was like, okay, all right. I have no idea what I'm going to preach on. And then the, you know, one of our 
um, prophets in the house, right? So I go up to her and she's like, okay, I heard you're preaching. We got to get this game plan. You know, it's pastor appreciation. And I start telling her what I'm going to preach about. And she's like, that is exactly what I wrote down. She said, this is incredible because I wrote down that someone should preach on authority, not knowing that I was going to be the one preaching and that God had already told me that. So that gave me confirmation. I'm doing, I'm on the right track. I'm doing the right thing. No matter how I will get there (laughs) with lots of, with lots of um, love from the spirit. But I honestly truly was conflicted a little bit about it because I really didn't know what I was going to say. And I kind of felt like Paul, whenever they got back and their, their village was burned down and um, all of their wife and their kids were gone and they had just traveled so far and they were like, let's kill him. Uh, yes, David, I'm sorry. Yes, David. Yes. And they were like ready to kill him. Right. So they were like, they were going to kill him. But it says in the word that he, that he um, lifted himself up with God. He, 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 he encouraged himself with the spirit, with God. He could have got discouraged and got upset and been sad, but he didn't allow the circumstances, even though I'm sure he was very weary to um, bring him down. And I felt a little conflicted, like, okay, I could really just like change all of this and be like, okay, God, I'm gonna do this on my own. You don't know what you're talking about. And then it would have been a train wreck, right? But what I did was I said, okay, Lord, I don't really understand, but I'm going to pray about this and I'm going to seek your face. And God has given me such a powerful word, but he also gave me such a peace. And during our second song this morning, I felt my spirit shift. I felt a complete shift in my spirit. I went from being shaky and nervous and scared of how this was going to turn out to God saying, hey, every time I have never let you down, they need to hear this today. And I promise you it's going to be exactly like it's supposed to be. So I want to pray really quick over this word because I believe it's a living word and it should be prayed for that it touches every heart because it says that it is sharper than any two edged sword. Father, I thank you for this word that you have given me today on authority, Father. And I ask that every heart in this place will receive whatever it is that they need from this word today, God. I ask that you anoint my lips to bring forth the word that you have exactly the way that you want. I am a vessel that is being used by you, Father. And I just thank you that it will be portrayed the way it should be, God, and that every person in this place will leave forever changed. Be able to chew on something from this this word today, God, and that it will change their lives and change their circumstances and change their mind in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I want to start out, like I said, I'm going to be preaching on authority today. I wanted to, first of all, tell you what authority is, because a lot of people really don't know what authority is. They've heard the word, but they don't really understand what it means. But authority is the power or right to give orders, make decisions, or enforce obedience, right? And that's kind of what you think when you think of authority. For example, when I think of authority, I think of a police officer, you know, directing traffic or something. You know, I think of a guy or a gal standing out there in their uniform with their little orange or yellow vest on directing traffic, right? They cannot physically stop the cars, right? They can't, with their own strength, walk out there and stop the cars from driving. But they have an authority that has been delegated to them by, like, the government, say, or the state or however that works. I really don't know. But they have an authority that is delegated to them. So when they go out with that badge on in the middle of traffic, they know that's the one guy they're not going to run over, right? So they know that if he says stop or go, they get to do it and be obedient to him, right? That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what authority is. So clearly, the value of our authority rests on the power behind it. 
So the value of our authority rests on the power behind it. Now, there are two aspects of authority that I want to go over today because there's not just one. There is actually two, and each of them have variations. So my first point this morning is going to be submitting yourself under authority. This is the scary one, right? No, it's not. It really isn't. Submitting yourself under authority. The second point that I have today is having authority. So we have two aspects of authority where we are actually submitting ourselves under someone else and where we have authority over others, right? So there's two aspects. And I want to talk about the first one, obviously, first. Um, so if we take a moment and we think about it, the Bible says to serve God, right? Automatically, we know when we become children of God that we are to serve our God, right? It says that in um, Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we are, sorry, Aubrey, I forgot to wait on you. Hebrews 12, 28. Hebrews 12, 28. All right. So, um, so Hebrews 12, 28, it says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So it says already in, in Hebrews 12, 28, that we are to serve God. And we are to do it acceptably with reverence and godly fear. The word serve means to perform duties or services for another person or another thing. But in this scripture, it obviously means to do that for him, right? To do that for God. So it just means to, have, to perform duties and services. So it's really not like this big outlandish word. It really just means to help people or help a situation. And we think, when I think serve, I think serving my community, serving my church, serving my God, serving my pastor. These are things that come through my mind when I think of the word serve. So how do we do this? If God is our authority and we serve him by honoring him and serving him, how do we do this? By showing his love and kindness to others, right? Serving God is not just serving God. It's serving each other. Serving God is not just serving God. Absolutely, there are things in the Bible that he has called us to do. But I'm going to tell you right now that 100% of those things that God has called you to do in the Bible is to serve other people. It is because we are the God on the earth. We are the ones they see. So whenever he says to serve him, he's really saying serve each other. We know that one of the Ten Commandments that everyone, you know, says all the time, like these are the Ten Commandments, you know, and they quote their, the Ten Commandments because we should know them. They're, they're important. That we are to love our neighbor as ourself, right? We know that one. We know that. When we are born again, we take godly attributes at that time. So we give to the poor. We cry with the brokenhearted. We rejoice when people get their victories. Because that's what God would do. Those are attributes of our one true God. We also submit to our pastors 
by honoring and serving them. Like today, we're honoring her today. It is seeing a need and doing everything in our abilities to meet it. These are things that we're to do. But even after all that, we are to love people with a God kind of love. Above all else, we're to love people with a God kind of love. Because if you love people, we're going to get to that in a minute, but when you love, when you truly love people, there's not, there's, it doesn't hurt to help somebody. It doesn't hurt to serve somebody. It doesn't hurt to serve your church because you're not doing it for a gra- for to be glorified yourself. You're doing it for God. Well, I want to, before I go into love, because I have a lot to say about that, I want to talk about our pastor for a second. I know that people say all the time, you know, we're to, you know, honor our pastors. We know that, you know. But there's scripture that actually talks about these people that God has placed in your life. When you go into a church and you decide that you are going to serve there, you have made a commitment to your pastor to honor them, to serve them, to put yourself under their authority, to submit to them, okay? Like a parent, like somebody you would do. You cannot get mad at your pastor because she does some, one thing you don't agree with or she didn't hug you Sunday morning. I'm sorry, that's ridiculous. You can't. You don't do that to your grandpa and disown him because he forgot to hug you because maybe he didn't remember or there was a lot going on or maybe he really just doesn't remember anymore. You know what I'm saying? You cannot be so petty with your pastors. They are in authority, but they have, a, they have an obligation too. The first scripture I want to go to is Hebrews 13, 17. Because even though we're to honor people, there are specific people in our lives that we truly need to submit to. Our husbands, our wives, our pastors, and believe it or not, our government. And it's not always fun, but we need to pray for them. We need to still love them. That doesn't change anything. And if I stepped on your toes, just move your feet back. It's not a big deal. Hebrews 13, 17. You got it, girl? Gonna give you. Okay. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. As those who must give account, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Your pastor is a person that prays for you. She is accountable for you. What you don't realize is you just think that a pastor is somebody that stands up here looking gorgeous all the time because she does. And that's like what she does. She just comes and she's like, hey, this is how you're supposed to live your life, right? But there are so many nights that she goes to the hospital to pray for people. There are so many times that you don't see where she's on the phone talking and interceding for someone. And those moments when she's alone and her and Apostle John, Dr. John, pray for you. Okay, there is so many times you're when you decide to come to a church, your pastor now has an accountability to you. And you must honor her because the Bible actually says that when you do it and you do it with joy and without grief, it will profit you much. And the reason I know that is because it says if you don't, you don't profit any. You'll end up going church to church. Oh, that pastor made me mad this morning. 
they did not shake my hand and I was it was my first time there and they did not shake my hand and I'm not messing with the first time people today we're so happy you're here actually <laughs> we pray all week long that people would draw you in from the north south and east and west our pastor does pray that but you cannot get offended do not hold offense do not walk in offense because I will tell you she's still a human and she does make mistakes you probably won't ever see them because she's pretty close to perfect, but but she is a person, okay? And when you act like that, you're really not living in the attributes of God either, okay? So let's just be real and be people together. Serve your pastor. It is what you should do. But that's not the only scripture that talks about it, so I'm going to keep giving you more. <laughs> let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5. 12 and 13. And I have it in my phone here somewhere. I got this one highlighted. I like this one a lot. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13. I did it three times. Okay. Um, we can have fun, right? And I, I read out of the New King James. I like the King James Version, but the New King James Version is for, um, well, I'm not going to say my age, but you know what I'm saying. In 12 it says, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, be at peace among yourselves. So this basically says recognize those people and to esteem them very highly in love. You need to recognize her as a leader in your life and you need to do it in a, in a lovely way. You need to be able to love her in the moments where you felt like she should have hugged you that morning. And when I say this, I really mean this in more than just one way. Yes, you should honor your pastor this way, but you guys need to honor your spouses this way. You guys need to honor your bosses this way. It's, it's really about serving everybody. Because I will tell you one thing, when you serve people the way that you're supposed to, you're not going to have those moments of, oh, here she is again. I really don't like my boss, y'all. I'm about, I might get in my flesh today. She comes at me wrong, I'm going to take it down, right? You have to realize that you are doing this for God. You are not doing this for yourself. You're not doing this for that person. You're doing it for God. All of it is to serve him. And then I have one more scripture that I want to take you to. Isaiah 52, 7. I know it's a lot of scripture, but... I like the scripture because it, it really shows you what the Bible says about it. Because God gives us this Bible to teach us how to live our lives. And when we don't use it, we fail. <laughs> so it is important that we find every answer in the word of God. The last one, like I said, is Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says in Zion, your God reigns. This beautiful person 
does these things for you. She comes week after week and teaches you how to be like God. She has people that she has set in place to preach to you the word, the good news, the truth. She is a true pastor, and you need to honor her. I love her deeply, but you do too. It doesn't matter how long you've known her, you have set her in a place to be your pastor, and your souls mean something to her. Okay? Now, I... I the second scripture that I read to you, Hebrews, I mean, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12, and 13, it talks about love and doing it in love, right? To serve her, basically, in true love. Well, I went to the love chapter. You know I did, right? We all know it's 1 Corinthians 13. Now, I love the King James Version of this scripture. I love the New King James Version of this scripture, but the message gives it such a powerful understanding. It gives it such a powerful meaning, and it does it in such a poetic way that I just, I literally get goosebumps every time I read it. So I'm going to read this out of the message this morning. And I don't want you to be searching for it in your, y'all know it. First Corinthians 13, you know it. I'm going to read this to you, and I want you to just listen to it. Listen to what it's saying about love because it is really important. And if you can understand this verse, this whole chapter actually, or this whole, um, all of 13, then you will understand how to truly serve someone. And I mean, your, like I said, your spouses, your bosses, your pastors, your people in your community, how to serve on any level. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all of his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to this mountain, jump and it jumps, but don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I have gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I am bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than itself. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. Does it force itself on others? Isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It doesn't, it doesn't revel, thank you, when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of the truth. That's what your pastor does too. Puts up with anything, trusts God always. Always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies, Inspired speech will be over someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limits. We know only a portion of the truth. And what we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete arrives, our incompletes will be canceled. When I was an infant on my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like any infant. But when I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. 
We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in the fog, peering through the mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright and we'll see it all then. See it all as clearly as God sees it. Knowing him directly, just as he knows us. But for right now, until the completion, we have three things to do to lead us towards the consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unwaveringly, love extravagantly. Amen. And the best of these is love. Amen. We are to trust or have faith, hope, and love. Love conquers everything. Literally, this scripture tells you everything that love does. How can you even live one moment of sadness if you have this much love? How can you be upset and angry when you have this much love? How can you get to a place of total depression and sadness if you have this much love? You have to have trust and hope also, though. Love is definitely the major thing here. And that's why it's so important that when you submit yourself under someone's authority, you must love them with a God kind of love. You must do that. You must be able to trust them even if you don't understand. And you must have hope in them. That's why I love this last verse here, 13, because it basically says exactly the ingredients to serve someone. The exact ingredients to truly serve someone. There is such a great reward when you submit yourself under authority. And I'm going to tell you what that reward is. There's a pleasure in it, obviously, if you're doing it the right way. But when you submit yourself under authority, you then receive authority. That is the whole way it works. It is just a cycle, and it's a beautiful cycle if you do it the right way. And my pastors, who I have been under for many, many, many years. So the greatest reward to be under authority is to, that God gives you authority. And this brings me back to my second aspect of authority. is having authority, right? You can't be in authority without being under authority. It will never work. It absolutely will never work. If you are not under someone's authority, you will never truly have the right kind of authority. You will never have honorable people under you. You will never have people that will submit truly to you. And if you, and that's the thing, you know, you say, you know, you know, you reap what you sow, you know, people say, you know, karma, you know, all these things, right? I'm telling you right now, if you submit yourself under somebody with the God kind of submission and you truly serve them, no matter how much you like them, okay? When you truly love them with the God kind of love, like your boss that you may not like so much, you will be honored because of a God you serve, not because of that person that you serve, okay? So you have to realize that by serving with all of your heart, you will have people do you the same way. It is a trickle effect. When you sow the right seeds, you will reap the right harvest. It's just the way it works. So let me go back to the police officer for a second. I say him, but don't take offense to that. There are lots of awesome chicks that are are also um, 
um, police officers, but I say him because it's just easier than going he, she, or this, them, you know? Okay, please don't take offense to that. So let's go back to the police officer who had to work, okay, so that's out there directing the traffic, okay? They can't physically do it, but they have this ability, this, this designated authority to go out there and do this, okay? This guy did not wake up that morning and decide to be a police officer. That's right. Okay? He did not wake up and go, you know what? Today's the day. <laughs> I'm directing traffic. And he just goes out there in his jeans and t-shirt. You know, that's not how it works. It takes a lot to get a badge. It takes a lot to wear that uniform. And let me say something to you right now. If you, if he was not under authority listening to somebody that's already been there and done that, if he wasn't listening to the professors as they taught him to pass those classes, if he didn't physically get himself in shape by having someone show him how to do it, he would never have gotten there. Okay? You have to have authority. You have to be under authority to have authority. That is the way it works. Okay, we look at these professional people all over the world, these successful people, but they did not just wake up one day and decide to be successful. Yes, they might have ultimately said, I'm going to do this, and that's wonderful. But it took a process. It took time. It took serving probably more than one person to get them to their goal. Ultimately, God is who we serve. But like I said, when you serve God, you are serving everyone. That is the way that God created it to be. So if you think about all this officer puts into doing this, he's taught to, to what authority he has and how to use it, right? They don't just give a guy a gun for no reason be like, you know, just shoot people if they look mean. I mean, just do your best. We'll forgive you. And the best part about all of this is, which really just is so deep in me because I'm now preaching, which is just a dream come true, is that God gives us everything, gives us all the ammunition we need to do what he's called us to do. What our destiny is, he gives that dream to you. So he's back there with all your stuff. Like, you know, what, the, what do you call those people that follow you with, with your golf clubs? Yeah. He's also the caddy. He's the one that goes before you and sets up all the steps, but then he's behind you with all the equipment. Like, where, where are we going? What are we doing? You, you, yeah, yeah, it's on you, girl. You just take over and I got you. That's what, that's what you do. You have to just step out in authority and say, I'm doing this. I'm doing this, God. I'm doing this. I'm serving you by doing this. Yes, I'm a vessel being used, but it took me saying yes to do it. And he's our caddy. He's got everything we need. You do not have to worry about doing anything in your own ability because I promise you I would not be up here if it was me alone. There's no way. I'd be stuttering and nervous. My knees would be knocking. I'd probably have done passed out by now. But I have a God in me that takes care of it. He just takes over. Imagine this. Imagine you have a $100 bill in a pocket of your pants that you really never wear and you didn't know it was there, okay? $100 bill and stuck in a pair of pants. You did not know it was there. If you did not know it was there, you could not use it, right? Yeah. It's still your $100, but you don't know it's there, so you can't use it. And if you can't use it because you don't know it's there, it does not profit you any. It's just a $100 bill sitting in a pair of pants. 
Now, eventually, you'll probably get to around to wearing them and find the $100. But for the, all that time that you might have needed it, you won't have it. Okay, that is the same thing with our authority. Exactly the same. If you don't know that you have a right to have authority in this earth, you will never really succeed because you, okay, so say now you've submitted yourself under someone else's authority, but you have no idea where to go. Let me tell you the first thing you do. You go to that person that you trust and serve and you ask them, will you pray with me about this? Because I promise you, every person in this room has a purpose. None of you just, God was like, oh, I really kind of messed that one up. Well, throw her on out there, see how she does. That's not, that's not how he is. He perfectly creates you. Every, every cell in your body is a, set up for a reason. You know, he creates us to our bodies to clean themselves. He creates our bodies to heal themselves. He creates our bodies to do all these awesome things, to bear children. It's just incredible when you think about all that he thought of for us. Sometimes whenever we're not living out our purpose, we walk around feeling misunderstood, unwanted, not valued, hopeless. Why do you think we do that? When we don't have a purpose, we feel like, okay, yeah, maybe God wants me to do something, but you don't believe in yourself enough, and you don't believe in God enough, obviously, to push it forward. So you, you walk around feeling defeated. There's a reason why you do that. You are created to do something. You are created to serve and be under authority, but you are also created to do something, to have authority. You are created. God says that we are to be like Jesus on the earth, and we can't do that if we aren't like him. He had so much authority, so much meekness, but so much authority. Jesus said in Matthew 28:18, this is so good. Mm, I love it. Matthew 28, 18. Matthew 28, 18. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. This is what Jesus said. So if we have the Holy Spirit inside of us to guide us, don't you think that we're to do the same? If Jesus has all authority, he has been given all authority in heaven and on earth, don't you think we are too? Because it says that the things we loose on earth can, are loosed in heaven. The things that we bind on earth are bound in heaven, right? So I'm pretty sure the devil has no more authority here. And we now have dominion. Okay? We now have authority. And that comes with an unmerited, unearned favor that God gives us, a grace that he gives us. But most of all, we get to just be like Jesus. And you think, oh, no, but Jesus, like, laid hands on the sick and they healed right away. And Jesus, like, brought bread from nothing. And I'm like, and you can too. That has not changed. Hello. And I'm going to read you a scripture in a minute. It's going to make your jaw drop. You're just going to be like, oh, my gosh, she is so smart. <laughs> it says in Hebrews, I'm going to read a, another scripture to you real quick. Oh, no, I need to finish this. Actually, no, I need to finish this because it's so good. So it says, the, so, God, so, God, or, so the devil has been stripped from his authority 
and now we are the way makers. So much so, we have so much authority and we are the way makers so much that life and death are in the power of our tongues. That's pretty big deal. So, you know, you walk around sick and defeated, but you're always saying how sick you are. You walk around poor and not getting to the goal that you want to get. And I'm not saying you don't have a home and stuff. I'm just saying you're not to the financial place you want to be because you're always talking about how poor you are. Or my family's always lived on welfare. It's just, this is the way it is. No, it really isn't. And I'm not saying that welfare is not an amazing thing that really helps a lot of people, and I'm totally for it. But what I'm saying is, is that you don't have to stay there. That can be a stepping stone to get you to the prosperity that God has called you to have. But you have to start speaking life. You have to start speaking what the Word says about you. If life and death was not in our tongue and it was only in God's, then I could kind of understand where you would see you don't have a lot of authority. But He gave that to you. You can change your situations just by saying it. That's pretty awesome. And it says in Hebrews 4.16, if you want to go there, Hebrews 4.16, that we are to come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. We are to be bold because we have authority in the earth. If we are truly sons and daughters of the king, the king, how can we literally walk around like we have no authority? Okay, there are different levels in, you know, when you when you think about, okay, we have the king and queen and we have the prince and the princesses and we have the, you know, there's all these lines. Casey's like really big on all that stuff. I'm not really the royalty, the royal family and all that stuff. I'm not really so much, but you know, I kind of get it a little bit. Like, oh no, it's his turn to rule. I'm like, he's a cousin. Where did he come from? I don't, I don't get it. But right. But what you don't, if you really thought about if we were in a kingdom, we were in a castle, I'm going to paint you a picture because you don't get it. So I'm going to, I'm going to show you how to get it. So we're in a castle and we have the king. Jesus, the king, right? We have the king of kings. We are, the Bible says that we are, we are children of the king. So if, so we have the king and we're his children. Even the ones that are not in line for the throne still have way more privileges than anyone else in that castle, right? Like literally they have what they says goes, the princess, the prince. They get to say whatever they want pretty much. They get away with everything because they are children of the king. They may not even be set to have a crown, but they are still royalty because they are in that family. You have so much authority to change so many things, even in your workplace. When you honor your boss, when you honor your pastors at church, when you serve people, When you do these things, God sees it. And when he sees it, he does, there's not a way for him to not bless it. He doesn't work that way. It is in his word. It is a mandate that when you do these things, when you serve, when you give, it is given back to you. Good measure, measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, right? 
That's giving of your time, your experiences, your skills, your honors, your blessings. It's just giving, serving. And when you give, you get back. It's just the way it works. You are children of the king. You have rights. You have authority. So the best example I have of this is my kids. Because I'm a mom of seven in my house at the same time. Yes. Two four-year-olds, two infants, two preteens, and a teenager. Okay? Woo, it's crazy. Some days are pretty smooth, but some days are not. (laughs) But my kids know one thing. They know a lot of things. They're actually very smart, but they know this for sure. That may be mommy and daddy's house that they live in, but it's their house too, okay? So when my kids come home or we get home and we're home and we're hanging out, my kids don't ask to go to the refrigerator get something to drink. They don't ask to use the bathroom. They don't ask to use the, to sit on the furniture. They don't ask these things. Do you know why? They don't knock on the door before they walk in because that's their house too, okay? They know they have a measure of authority in that home to do those things without asking. Where a guest that comes into my home doesn't have that same luxury. I mean, some of them think they do. I'm not going to make waves or anything, but... No, but those are people that we know to that point. But anyway, my kids know they have that authority. And they also know that when a new person comes, they have the authority to say, hey, would you like something to drink? Would you like to sit on the couch? They know that they can offer that to someone else because it's their house. Do they run the house? No. They serve mom and dad still, right? Because they live in my house, but they do have a measure of authority there too. And because they honor mom and dad and they don't make the mistakes in the home that would keep them from getting those those authorities over those things, they're able to do those things. So when their friends come over, they can say, hey, you want some chips? Well, I'll go get you some chips. Not you can just go in there and go crazy, but I'll get you some because my mama says I can. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's where we are in our lives. And different people are going to be at different levels with God. And different people are going to be different levels with their job in their marriage. But I will say this, if you know your authority, it really makes other people more comfortable. When you know where you are in authority and you know who's over you and what measure of authority you were in at that moment and what those people above you know and don't know and don't want you to do and do want you to do and you're serving them with all of your heart, it just makes it smoother. It just makes everything much easier to know where you are in your authority. You have a lot of it. You have a lot of it, and you'll continue to increase as you serve others. It's the way it is. It's a beautiful cycle when you think about it. So my kids know they have authority in my home, even though they don't run it. That's the point. They serve me, and they have authority. And when people come over, they get to serve. They get to be the authority over those people. And in in the meantime, we're still serving them too. That's the cool thing about all of it. It's just this awesome cycle. We are called to have authority over the earth, over the devil, over our circumstances, just like it says in Mark 16. In Mark 16, 15, now this is where, this is about to get really amazing because I'm about to show you how much power God has given you. 
I'm going to show you in this scripture how much power you have in this earth. You don't just speak life and death. You have so much more in this game. You have so much more to do. There is so much left to do. So many people to serve. So many people to tell about the love of Jesus, to love on, to care for. And I'm going to tell you how you can do it in Mark 16, 15 through 18. In Mark 16, 15 through 18, it says, we're going to start in 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink of anything deadly, it will in no means harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You have so much power and authority so much power and authority that you are able to do all of these things. God would not do that to you. He would not say, hey, I want you to go out and do all these things and then sit back and wait for you to fail so he could laugh, you know, get a good laugh out of it. Oh my gosh, I knew she was going to be that dumb. That's not how he works. The God that I serve sets it all up for you. So he's like, he's the one that sets those divine appointments for that person that's sick in their bodies to come forth and ask for prayer. And then their faith meets your faith and boom, healing. And we know that because people in this church have literally walked in with stage four cancers and walked out of here free. Because in this church, we know our authority because we have a pastor who teaches us that. Man, that's good. Thank you, Lord, because you are just whew, so awesome. So we have authority on the earth, and this does not just mean in the way so to defeat the devil, um, to, to have our callings and our gifts. There's, it's also in our everyday life. Like, I mean, not every day you're just going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to heal. That would be great, and I don't think you can't do that. But normally, every day, we're not going to encounter someone sick in their body that's going to ask to be healed, right? But in our everyday walk, we also have authority. Because the Bible says that we have an unmerited favor everywhere we go. So if you have an unmerited favor everywhere you go, that means you have an authority. Because you can't, just like a police officer who goes out and directs traffic, automatically expects obedience, right? He expects an obedience. Well, when you have favor for someone, they don't realize they're doing it because they're just, you know, they're just doing their thing. But God sends this favor upon you that when they see you, they're attracted to you. They're attracted to what you're doing. They're attracted to who you are. And there's a reason why that. And then those people are like, would you like, would you like a water? They're treating you differently than they would anyone else. They're serving you. Why? Because they see something in you. They see something in you because when you have an, when you have a submissive spirit to submit under people, people can't wait to submit to you. They can't wait. It's, it's, 
it's almost like because you walk around with, I'm submissive to my pastor. I serve her. I honor her. I'm submissive to my boss. I serve him and I honor him. I'm submissive to my spouse. I serve them and I honor them. I'm submissive to my friends. I serve them and I honor them. And I do these things and I treat everybody like that. People can't help but want to serve you because they want that too. They're like, oh my gosh, I want what they have. You know, I want what they have. And, and they don't even realize they recognize it. They don't even realize that they're recognizing that. But there's an attraction to them. And I have to say this. It's a story about, about Dr. John and Casey. <laughs> so that kind of really reflects this. But when Casey first came to the church with me, we were 16. I was 14 when I started going there, but I was 16 when I invited him to come with me. And it was our very first gospel according to Scrooge practice. And he came with me because I think we had plans that night or something. And I was like, but I have to go to this practice for this play we're doing or whatever. You know, now I'm like, can't wait. But back then I was like, oh, okay, I guess we're in a play. Um, I'm a teenager. Yeah, I got things to do, right? So we go to the practice and he's sitting on the front row with me. And Pastor John is Mr. Fezziwig. Okay. And... He don't want to do it. You can tell. <laughs> He's serving, though. He was serving. He was up there, and he was giving it his go, right? Well, he didn't want to do it. He really did not want to do it. And he's pastor, and he has authority. He didn't know this kid on the front row at all. He had never literally met Casey ever. <laughs> but he assumed, because he knew me, that he could sing. So he walks down after his little part or whatever. And he walks over to Casey and he goes, did you come here or who'd you come here with or something like that? And he was like, oh, I'm here with Parrish just watching the practice today. And he goes, does that mean you sing? <laughs> everybody that knows Parrish sings, right? He's like, I mean, I guess, you know, whatever. You know, I guess you could call me a singer. Pastor John goes, you're going to be Mr. Fezziwig. <laughs> and Casey... <laughs> The look on his face was funny, but he was just, he kind of was like, dude, seriously? I don't even know you. I don't, I'm not even, I don't even go to this church. I am a little Baptist boy that goes to a little Baptist church and leads worship with song CDs. <laughs> but something happened. Very amazing, actually. Instead of Casey being the rebellious kid that he was, he actually was like, okay. <laughs> he got up, got the, the, the script out of his hand, and walked up and started doing the part. <laughs> and literally after we were done with the practice, he was like, I have no idea who that guy was, and I have no idea why I listened to him. <laughs> I don't even know why I listened to that guy. And I'm like, well, that's my, that's my pastor. So I'm glad you listened because you might be shunned. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it, he, and he started coming to the church after that because Casey recognized something in Pastor John. He recognized an authority, but even though Pastor John did it in a very authorita authoritative way, he still did it in love and Casey recognized it. And he knew that if I honor this man, even though I have no idea who he is, I'm going to be blessed by it. And Casey still to this day tells that story because it was so bizarre, like truly bizarre how that happened. And look at him now. 
Pastor John says anything, he does it. He just, if he just listened to his wife more, we might, no, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. No, I'm kidding, he's good, he's a very good husband. Okay. Okay, so what I, what I want to say here, when you submit under authority, God brings us favor that causes us to have more authority. And it is a cycle that continues and brings blessings after blessings, not just to you, but to those who submit to you and to those that you submit to, right? We do not have to sit back and wait on things to pan out for the right moment. I'm not having kids till we're financially secure. You never will be with kids. Stop waiting. He says be fruitful and multiply, and I'm not trying to step on anybody's feet, okay? Really, if, if you feel like God's telling you to wait, then wait. That's great. But um, we didn't, so it's worked out well. Uh, but what I'm saying is there's never going to be that perfect moment. And if you wait to praise God for the perfect moment, if you wait to do what God's called you to do for that perfect moment, it's never coming. Your expectations are in the wrong place. Start expecting yourself to just do it. Start expecting yourself to just be able to do it. Start expecting yourself to know that you have a God that has a power behind you that's going to get you through everything. So don't sit back and wait on things to pan out because it's not going to happen that way. It never happens the way you think it's going to because that's how unique our God is. He's so unique in the way he does everything. And what I want you to to take with you today is what I said at the very beginning of this today. The value of your authority rests in God because we serve him. The value of my authority rests in the God that I serve because I serve a God with all power and all strength. I will have authority. And not only will I have authority, but everyone behind me that serves me the same way, which I, every one of them will, it will happen because that's the way it works, will also have authority. Serve somebody today. Serve your pastors more than anything, but serve people. When you have an encounter with someone, don't think, oh, what are they about to say? Is this going to waste my time? Start looking at it differently. How am I going to serve them today? How am I going to serve them? Because every time I serve, I get served back. And it's so powerful because it's like a blessing. When you give a blessing, you get a blessing. It's exactly the same thing. When you give, you receive more. When you give, you receive more. When you give, you receive more. And it also says that we are to give cheerfully. So when you give with a heart of love, hope, and trust, you will get people that serve you, that love you, that have hope for you, and that trust in you. So that's my word today. Thank <laughs> you.